0: Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and Nathan Lear and myself both host this program. Uh, we're both directors and private client advisors at Hewson Private Wealth, which is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Um, this week, Nathan and I have a chat about the questions that we believe um, you should be asking a prospective financial advisor. Um, so look, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Welcome everyone again to the Money Mentors Podcast. Uh, this week, Nathan and I are going to have a chat about questions that people should be asking a potential advisor. Um, we'll, we'll run through a few of the ones that we think are important, not not in any particular order, um, but Nathan, was there one that you wanted to perhaps fire away with? Yeah. Look, I
1: think one of the the and look, just to kind of introduce this a little bit further, it is uh, it is a big decision for for people to go out and seek advice. And we've spoken about many times on this podcast that I don't know what the exact stats are, but something like twenty percent of Australians receive advice from a yeah, financial if not advisor. Yeah, got less than that. Yeah, probably less. Uh, you know, we're strong advocates of uh, people to to go out and seek that advice. You know, providing they can see see the value in in what an advisor can provide for them. But to go and um, I guess seek out an advisor. You do need to have confidence that they're a good operator, and there probably are some key questions that we'll focus on today.
0: Um, and, and just on that, I suppose just as a further introduction, introduction before we get into those questions, um, I suppose even before that, as as to how you go about finding an advisor, I always generally say, look, it's like any profession, is it? You don't really know who to go to and who to trust, and, and that's where I think. I mean, I think about myself looking for any professional, whether it's a uh, legal advice or an accountant or even even a tradie, Um you generally lean on the people that that you know and trust and see whether they've had good relationships so if if we sort of assume that you've gone down that path, maybe you've got a referral from your accountant or or, or a family friend or fa- or or friend or you know family in general uh, maybe you've done a search on the internet so now you've you're face to face with with a, an advisor that you're potentially looking at at um, appointing. Um, so yeah let, let's just let's just get into it and ask the questions that, that we think um, people should be asking the advisor
1: yep definitely going 100% agree with that ask for a referral because that's someone that that you trust will, will, will most definitely give that name away so um, yeah look probably the one of the the, the first things we're going to mention today was just are they licensed so I'll I'll explain that for, for people that don't know what that means so um, within the Australian regulatory environment to be a, a financial advice firm you need to have a license um, now firms can either have their own license so it's called an Australian Financial Services License or AFSL for short which is, which is issued by the um, Australian Securities and Investments Commission or ASIC for short so if you go to a, a firm that has their own AFSL license, it means that they're self-licensed. So not that that is the only way that you can do it, but if you go to a firm that is self-licensed, it means that, you know, if you're walking into the doors of that firm, they've got their own license. There's not a, a bigger parent company that they're licensed through, such as a bank or a major finance company that will control or dictate how they can do business.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's a strong philosophy that we've spoken a lot about on this podcast as far as ensuring that you've, you're getting independent advice. So advice that's independent of any investment um, that may come with that advice. Um, so the preference from our perspective may be independent, but that's not to say that if an advisor is is aligned with a larger institution that you can't get good quality advice. It's just a matter of really understanding the differences, isn't it? So understanding um, a licensee that maybe aligned to another institution or that that's self-licensed and and then therefore leads into other questions that, that we'll go through but i think that's a legitimate question where you need to ask well firstly are you licensed um, and you wouldn't go near anyone who wasn't and then secondly who is the licensee I and mean, i suppose what's your relationship with them
1: that's right and and yeah just to clarify it doesn't yeah mean that you can't go to a or work with an advisor that's licensed by say a big a big you know, financial institution. It just just means you just got to be aware of that. Um, and, and Glenn, just to help our listeners under, understand what the what the some of the conflicts of interest can be, just spend a minute maybe talking through some of the potential issues there.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose for those advisors who aren't self licensed, um, there may be some restrictions, not necessarily conflicts of interest, but because they have a a, a licensee that's, um, I suppose providing compliance a compliance service for them um, they can be restricted as to what sort of investments they might be able to recommend to you in that as part of your obligations as a licensee um, you have to have like an approved product list Um, but being uh, being licensed by a large organization may mean that your investments have to be administered under a certain platform you may have to um, invest within certain products so there may just be some um, restrictions as to what your investment choices are. Um, I mean, for example, through the raw Commission, it was sort of determined that, um, and, and this isn't any bank bashing, but it, it was determined even through surveys that ASIC undertook towards the beginning of last year that the majority of product that was recommended um, by bank advisors just so happened to be bank product. So you just really need to understand, that's why the licensee is important because you need to understand what sort of products you're being recommended and are they products that are being manufactured by the licensee or are they independent products?
1: Yeah, and when I said the word conflict of interest, that that's what I was getting at where um, not that the advisor will necessarily recommend um, an investment for the wrong reason but there may be an incentive um, and, you know, rules have changed in, in recent years which are kind of abolishing this kind of behaviour but, um, you know, the old the old example is if you go see a bank financial advisor and they're going to put you into a you know, a managed investment that's owned by the bank. You know, there's there's a there's a conflict there. Yeah. Um. So so if you go to somebody who's say independent, you're removing a, a layer of, of of conflict of interest, aren't you?
0: Yeah. And look, so. a popular way to manage client portfolios is through platforms or wrap accounts, and each of the large financial <laughs> institutions have one of those. So it'd be very likely if you go and see an advisor who, who is aligned to one of those institutions that your portfolio may be administered under those wraps and platforms so once again not necessarily that's a bad thing but it's just a matter of understanding because that is a conflict of interest just a matter of understanding that and, yeah. and, awareness. and then, yeah, awareness yeah awareness and having the the information to make a, a call as to whether you're comfortable with that or not um, one of the other things that i believe is really important that not necessarily rate right, relates to licensees, but more about the skills of the advisor. Um, so I think the question that I think is really important is, what are your qualifications and experience? Um, th- there's a lot of discussion in the financial planning industry now around the the um, educational requirements of advisors, the FASIA um, requirements, where you know each advisor has to be degree qualified, but that's not the requirement right now. Um, so like any profession that you're getting advice from, you want to make sure that you're getting high-quality advice from someone who's got adequate qualifications but also adequate experience. So I think understanding what tertiary qualifications they've got, what what if any postgraduate qualifications they've got and really just asking them how long they've been an advisor. I mean, for me, that's a pretty important question to be asking.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, look, I mean, qualifications is one thing and uh, I mean, I don't think it's... It is being mandated where to be an advisor going forward, you will need qualification. So that's going to clean up a lot of the, um, maybe the industry. Not saying you need a qualification in life to be good at what you do, but I guess in some professions it is, you know, you go see a doctor and, um, you know, they're going to have a a qualification, aren't they? So it's only going to arguably strengthen the industry. Experience, um, kind of extending onto that is, you know, some questions you can ask your advisor is, you know, how long have you been... Advising, how long have you been a financial advisor? Um, How many firms have you been at? Have you chopped and changed around? If so, why? Just to kind of get a feel for how long they've been doing it and some stability in their role within the company as well. Because you don't want to appoint an advisor today and then, you know, in in six months be transitioned to another advisor within the firm.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And I suppose with that question that you were saying, in relation to trying to find out what their experience is, understanding how long they've been at the particular firm they're at, why are they at that firm, um, what confidence can they give you that they'll remain with that firm. Um, It it may be that they're an equity holder in the business, that they're the founder of the business, um, whatever it may be. I think it really is important to understand those implications. Um, And I suppose one thing that stems from qualification and experience is talking about, any particular area that they might specialize in
1: yeah i think um understanding the the services that the advice firm offers is is paramount um now how how would you do this i mean the first thing would, would be to jump on jump on the online at their website if they have one and and just have a look at the a list of their their services if not um we haven't spoken about the financial services guide yet which um you know by law a financial advice firm needs to have um fsg for short uh, for financial services guide so that should outline their services as well so firstly you just want to see what they do and whether they can assist you with what you need help in let's say it's superannuation are they um you know are they qualified to help you there um and then also yeah just see if they have a specialization in in any particular fields and you know for example um you know, you might have a situation where, um, you know, either yourself or a loved one is moving into, you know, aged care maybe. Do they have experience in dealing with aged care and the complexities ar- around that?
0: That's right because they, yeah, that's a really good example because your, your requirement may be aged care but they might be a self-managed super fund specialist. So that's why it is important to ask them, what are the areas that you're qualified in and, and specialising in? Um, Nathan, you mentioned the financial services guide which... Um, is a document that has to be provided to um, to clients that outlines the fees and charges. I mean that really then moves on to an, another important question: is is what are the costs? And, and they can be multi tiered, can't they? Because I think it's important that as a as a client, you ask the advisor whether they're charging for an initial consultation, what their charges are for the preparation of a statement of advice, which will document you know strategic and investment recommendations and also what the charges are for ongoing service. Um, so there's really multiple layers of fees. It's really important for you to ask those questions. Um, and for example, with the statement of advice, is is that a, is that a fee that they'll quote in advance? Um, yeah, I, I suppose they're probably the main questions to be asking at that initial meeting. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think do, do your research here as well because, um, you know, ultimately if you do see an advisor there there is an element of, of sales here and they're trying to get the sale. so mm. um you know people can be clever where they might not you know not go go break the law and, and or be deceptive on purpose but they can kind of be a bit creative maybe in terms of how they communicate their fees and and any other additional charges so just understand the the have a look at their financial services guide just to see what their fees are and and ask about any um, you know third party fees in terms of if they outsource investments.
0: And that's uh, where the confusion can come is you know upon the appointment of the advisor, understanding not only what the advisor fee is, but any additional fees, as you were saying, third party fees like fund manager costs, um, administration, administration fees, accounting fees if you're going into like a self-managed superannuation fund. So, I think it is important to understand what's the total cost of appointing an advisor because quite often it's not just the advisor fee um, and you need to be comparing apples with apples as well, don't you? Because mm. there's no point comparing a holistic advisor that's giving you strategic advice, investment advice, you know, aged care advice to, for example, an industry super fund. Like they're very, it's like oranges and apples. Um, so, yeah, cost I suppose is an important consideration but then whether you get this answer in, in that discussion or not, but then it comes down to value, isn't it? What value are you as the advisor going to be able to provide me?
1: Yeah, I think value is arguably one of the most important things that that you know prospective clients of financial advisors need to understand. And um, I, I think, know, unfort- oh, unfortunately, just the way the world works where usually we are quite focused on, on cost, um, but I would try to flip that you know and and say to the um you know those looking to seek advice is what what's the value you're going to get because people don't mind paying for thing for things if they get value um and you know sometimes in this in this world you get what you pay for so you know just just because you might go with the the lowest cost provider doesn't mean you're going to get the best outcome so it's really yeah understanding what what they can do for you in terms of value would you add anything on uh, on top of that, Glenn?
0: No, I, mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, you, lo, like anything in life, you, you do get what you pay for and, and sometimes, you know, the, the cheapest option is not necessarily going to be the best one. So, you know, when you're asking the questions about cost, don't necessarily be put off by um, certain fees and charges. It, it's all In the end, it's all about value. Um, it's all about delivery of service and, and making sure that you're able to achieve what it is that you want to achieve. Hmm.
1: Uh, maybe... This isn't so much a, a question, but I, I think up up there with what value they can provide is 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 extremely paramount and important is just the, the relationship and the, the rapport that you that you see or you know, you connect with your potential advisor. I think it's so important. You're gonna have a relationship with this person for hopefully decades. You know, if you're no matter what age you are, hopefully it's a very long, long relationship. So you just you really do need to connect. Um you know and you know we harp on this whole relationship thing you know within our business. we just think it's so important that you need to you need to just you know have that rapport, understand and I think it's a two-way street here I think and a good advisor needs to you know build that relationship with with a client and you know really get to know their goals and objectives. but I'd like to think that a you know a would be prospective client would really want to ask those advisors. You know, the right questions like we're speaking about now and hopefully build a you know, meaningful relationship with them.
0: Well, that's how you get the best out of the relationship, isn't it? By one, the advisor understanding what is truly important to the client, what their objectives are, what their family situation is. Um, and I suppose in addition to cost, it's, it's understanding what's, what's included within the service offering. Is it, you know, unlimited access to your advisor or is the ongoing fee really just relating to portfolio management? And if there is additional consultations and advice, maybe you maybe have to pay for that. Um, but you are right. I mean, the, the the relationship between client and advisor is an important one if you want if you want to extract the the greatest level of value out of out of that relationship. Um, just one other question that I had, which probably more so doesn't relate to everybody, but if if you are looking at um, you know investing funds it's or at superannuation or private money, um, the question I had written down here was, what is your what 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 is the advisor's investment philosophy how are they going to invest your money um to help you achieve your objective because there are different ways um that funds can be invested so do you think that's an important question to understand maybe it's not as important for everyone but it's something that i'd be encouraging people just to ask to understand that
1: yeah yeah i think it is very important and it's it's probably one of the uh, yeah the main questions i feel that i get asked um yeah, you know, m- most people, are if they're seeking out advice, not always, but most in most cases they are looking to invest some money. So it's pretty important that they understand how that advisor does that because there is many different ways you can invest money. Like there's many different strategies out there which which an advisor can adopt. So I think they've got to – well, I think firstly the advisor needs to um, explain it, articulate it because it can be – this can be a foreign concept for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and, and I suppose – on that point, ask them to explain why they invest the way they do. Like, what? why as a business have they chosen to invest client money in that particular way? Definitely. Yeah. Were there any other questions that you could think of, Nathan? There's arguably like a... You know, a
1: you there's could, a long list of them. Yeah, isn't <laughs> you could draw out a very long list. I, I guess we tried to just today focus on the top, you know, half a dozen or so. Yeah, but there, arguably there's more but... Yeah, just do your homework and th- th- these are probably a good, some good starting points to ask.
0: Yeah, so j- just to rehash some of the things that we've spoken about today, really just understanding the licensee, who it is, what the relationship is and what, if any, conflicts of interest that relationship um, does present. Understanding the skills, qualifications and experience of the advisor. So really asking those questions so that you're confident that you're dealing with someone who's got um, the right expertise to help you find the right solutions Um, what's the company's um, investment philosophy Um, also understanding the fees and costs that that apply at at the initial meeting stage in preparing an advice but also on an ongoing basis and with those ongoing fees what services are included and what potential add-ons may be prevalent within that relationship Um, so look hopefully this gives you all a start when you're looking at um, engaging an advisor Um, there are some good resources online Um, ASIC has a as part of their money smart website has a section choosing a financial advisor so we'd encourage you to have a read through that Um, and really like anything before you make a decision just have the information that enables you to make um, a decision that gives you the best possible outcome um, so on that note, we'll, we'll wrap, it, r- wrap it up there. Hope you enjoy the podcast and look forward to speaking to you all next week.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsor's website, Hewison Private Wealth, um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also, check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.